Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 143. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, guys. How's everybody doing? Hi. Hello. So, as you guys know, I had plumbing problems like a week ago or two weeks ago or a month oh, yeah. ago, whatever. I you can't even remember. So, I had to dig a ditch. And now, uh, my uh, washing machine broke. And, <gasps> uh, yes. Your washing Uh-oh. machine is so nice. I know. Yeah. It was like my dream come true. I took pictures with it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it turns out that uh, I got them eight years ago. So, on, uh, I could see how and why it broke. Because there's like uh, two family households in the house that mm-hmm. use them constantly. So I get that. And I I had a warranty from Sears and I had them come down and they charged me $75 to come look at it. And what they did is basically what my husband did is look on the internet and try to troubleshoot. <laughs> and I was like, this is some kind of, of bullshit, right? Yeah. And uh, the guy was really nice, so I don't blame him for it. But then uh, I uh, immediately turned to a page in Facebook of it's Compton, uh, a Compton based page on Facebook. So I put a picture of my washing machine and the model number. And I said, hey, if you guys know anybody that can fix washing machines, please let me know. The first guy who put a phone number down, I called the guy. He said, I'm going to come to your house at 6 today. And I said, well, how much do you want me to give you for evaluation? He said, you don't have to pay me. I'm just going to come and see if I can fix it. He came down. He troubleshooted the fuck out of it. Oh, my God. He did some, like, control-delete shit on the fucking (laughs) washing machine. And I I was so dumbfounded of how amazing and skillful he was. He even took the back paneling from the washing machine and showed me, like, what was going on. Like, he showed me, you know, for free. And then he gave me an estimate. And I told myself, uh, and I told everybody in the household, I said, like, if it's under $300, I am going to have it fixed. Mm -hmm. Because... I'm not going to buy a new washing machine right. for like 700 mm-hmm. bucks and then have them tell me that my uh, my connections are not up to code and then have me pay more for mm-hmm. the connections and delivery and all this stuff. So anyway, it's going to cost me under 300 bucks and I'm super happy with him. He ordered the parts. He's going to come down on the 27th and I'm just like so overjoyed. And one thing I have to say is that I am so sorry that I underestimated my people. And when I say my people, I'm saying not the next people because they get shit done. That's all oh, I have no. to say. Eddie's always yeah, telling people uh, whenever there's a, a mechanical problem or anything at the house that I will fix it. He's like, he was like, my wife's Mexican. She fixes anything. Honestly. I love it. Yes. I love it. I've been, I've fixed I have fixed our water heater. I have fixed our disposal. I have... I don't know what else I fixed. I, I'm always the person figuring out how to connect the TV to the VCR. Well, not VCR now, but years ago when there was a VCR. Our DVD player to the gaming console to the whatever else to make it all work and figure it out. I'm always the person to do that. So, 
Um, yes, don't underestimate the brown people. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> what about you guys? Honestly. What's going on with you guys? Well, for me, actually, so I was supposed to work today, but I had a friend coming over, and so I asked one of my coworkers if they could cover for me, and they did. And someone was just like, yeah, you know what? I need the hour, so I'll, like, take it for you. So I was just like, cool. So I basically, I had a free day today to hang out with my friend. And she's still here. Like, she's in the living room hanging out with my other friend. But, like, seriously, like, today was, like, the ideal day for me. Because it was, like, me and my friends, like, uh, the four of us, we went to go grab brunch. Uh, and then we go went to drink a giant mimosa. Um, uh, like, a huge, like, like... <laughs> Here's, there's this place like really close to where I live called Moses of Willow Glen. And their, their thing is that they give you, there's a $35 mimosa that's like, like this tall. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it doesn't even fit. And they like throw in a whole bottle of champagne and like whatever uh, flavoring that you want. And yeah. we chose peach. And so between the five of us, like we like, we drank that shit. Like, it was, like, so good. So, I was tipsy pretty much, like, the morning. Uh, <laughs> so, that was that was a lot of fun. And then we came here home. We came we came home and we started watching Shang-Chi. Um, mm. uh, and yes. Like being, the peanut, being the peanut gallery as the, as the movie's playing. And then uh, one of my other friends, she had, like, stuff to do. So, she, like, went home and, like, did the stuff. And then when she was done, where she was just, like, I had said before that I wanted to go to Barnes & Noble's. Uh, and she wanted to go too, so we went, uh, when she was done, she was like, all right, let's go to Barnes and Nobles. So all of us four, like, went back into the car, and then we went to Barnes and Nobles, and we spent, like, an hour and a half in the Barnes and Nobles. Uh, and it was, like, like, we spent there so long, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of why I was, I was delayed a bit. But I spent <laughs> quite a bit, because I now have a new obsession like I like okay no it's not new it's old I just never really mentioned it but I really really like Chinese fantasy um uh especially like shows and stuff like that and I don't care like I've been watching ice fantasy since uh, not not um uh is it ice fantasy or ice so something something like that ice fantasy since like my college days back when like CGI like CGI was like bad like <laughs> really bad and I didn't care that shit was good um and they got a lot better uh after a while but like after that i kind of like went on a deep dive and i still like kind of do so like among my other things like i do watch a lot of chinese fantasy shows well (laughs) they should have occurred to me that there is of course chinese like fantasy novels uh specifically web novels and stuff like that uh that is a genre that i really really like called uh wuxia like wuxia and xiangxiang um, uh, and I'm probably mispronouncing that and I'm so, so sorry if there's anybody who actually knows how it's pronounced because I probably just butchered the, uh, pronunciation, but it's basically like fighting or like sword fighting and stuff like that. And one is like strictly like martial arts. The other one is like martial arts plus fantasy. And so once I discovered, like, I was like, oh shit, this exists. Like I, and to some degree, I always knew it existed, but I like never read it. But then once I, like, actually was just like, wait, no, there's, like, modern stories. Not the old, super old stories, but, like, modern stories that people are putting out now. I, like, just spent, like, $80 on books. Because I spent a lot of money on books. 
<laughs> so I don't know. Today has just been a very, very nice day. Of it's been a very cool, fulfilling day. Like I wish all my days were kind of like this. It's just one of those days where I'm like, everything is good. Everything's working out. Like I got all my stuff that I wanted. I hung out with my friends. I had good food. It's just been a good day. Nice. Good. Cool. Nice. Yeah. You need that. You need that. Yep. What are you, Krista? What's what's going on with you? I just had a lazy day today. I didn't want to do anything. Um, I pretty much stayed in my PJs all day. And then I finally forced myself to go out to do my miles. Then I came back. I took a shower. I made dinner. And then I just uh, occupied myself with things that would keep me awake until 8. <laughs> so that was it. It was a lazy Sunday. I still... I still have initial orders to put in for the shop, which are due like in six days, but six days is six days. When it becomes one day, I guess I'll stress out. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And guys, I know, I know that I posted a picture of the Doctor Strange, the first uh, trailer that I thought was America Chavez. And so I... I actually put pause on it and then I took a picture and I posted it on our Facebook. I'm like, America? Question mark. Now, with the second trailer that came out, we know for a fact that it's America Chavez. So I'm super excited to see this. I am super excited that America Chavez is coming out. Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness coming out May 6th. Um, although I do feel that America Chavez is a very like strong character and from what I have seen the cast um, actress seems very young and may not seem as hardcore but from what I know from Marvel they do a really good job, but uh, I'm on the fence. What about what do you guys think? Oh, I remember what is it like? Um, the last Spider Man. What it? What was the last Spider Man? No way uh, home. It's No Way Home. No Way Home. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Spider Man No Way Home. Um, the end credits for that one was actually like the preview of um. Uh, Doctor Strange. And I know that when I saw her jacket, I screamed her name out in the theater. Of course, of course. <laughs> I, yes. I look, I love America Chavez. Yes. Uh I can here's the thing is that for me, like there's very distinctive um uh, I've I've learned to separate MCU from like Marvel like comic stuff because when like I think about it, I kind of really like I love Wanda. Like I lo- like I love want I love Scarlet Witch. Kristen knows I love Scarlet Witch. I, like, got all the comics and stuff like that. I love, love, love Scarlet Witch. I don't know if I really love MCU Scarlet Witch. Uh, And I didn't, not until WandaVision came out, I think. Like, once I, like, really, like, like, once they, like, fleshed out her character a lot more. A lot of what was carrying Wanda for me was the background that I knew from comics. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the stance that I'm taking with America Chavez, too, because the actress is very young. And that's, like, not, that's not on her. And I kind of see what it is that they're trying to do. They're kind of trying to set up, like, like the next generation Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So they're all going to be, like, super young, super, like, um, uh, like, babies or whatever. Well, not babies. They're, like, teenagers or whatever. Um, um, (laughs) Yeah. But America Chavez that we know is definitely, like, from the Young Avengers, is, like, she's not, she wasn't a teenager. She was, like, early 20s. And Mm -hmm. I don't think they ever marketed her as, like, 
a teenager teenager mm-hmm. she was definitely like a young adult uh or like just like 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 nine like main like the youngest maybe 19 but she was definitely like in her in her like early 20s uh, when the Young Avengers series came out. So, uh, the fact that they're going with a teenager, I'm just like, uh, or like they're maybe kind of going with a, like a really younger, isn't like super like sure of her powers or like what it is that she can do with them and still trying them out. Because let me tell you, Young Avengers America Chavez is a boss bitch and I love her. She knows exactly. She, she knows. She knows. She knows where. Like she. She puts her money. Uh, where? What's the turn of phrase? Uh, money where, money her, where mouth her mouth is. is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she's not afraid. She's strong. She dimension hops. She's like she's here to kick ass and take names. Like that's yeah. that's it. So I think from what I saw uh, as well, like we're getting. Someone younger than that. Someone who isn't so sure of herself. And I'm willing to give her a chance. I'm 100% willing to give her a chance because I love America Chavez. Um, um, so I'm excited, but I'm also wary, as usual. Absolutely. I completely agree. And seeing that trailer just kind of like, as you said, made me worry about it. Because, I mean, I read america chavez and i was like man she's so like powerful she's so sure of herself she's so like about like kicking ass and taking names you know so but again this is a disney marvel thing so i feel like they have a reason for doing that so i'm just gonna give it a chance for sure but i'm so excited that she is part of this movie and i'm so excited to see her and her character development in this movie what do you think kristen Um, definitely when I saw the actress, I had the same uh, thought is that she just seemed really young and I feel, and I do know how Disney works and I had the same, uh, thought that you guys were saying that they're setting it up for these characters to be able to be around and uh, the actors to play these characters for a substantial amount of time, um, because it's very easy for them to age and then age out. Uh, like we're seeing right now with the first uh, uh, iteration of all the uh, all the characters like um, Tony Stark and Hulk and all those who are the actors are just like getting older and they just can't keep up the schedule that it demands and even like I'm sorry it was super embarrassing to <laughs> I'll never forget this. This I don't even remember what movie it was, but to see freaking um what's his name the develop the leader of Shield with the patch to see him try to read an older man Nick, I was like why did they even add that into the movie uh, Jackson and Nick Fury yeah was it I think it might yeah. have been Captain Marvel movie that I'm thinking about but anyway yeah 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 which is funny because that movie is supposed to take place like way before some of the other stuff we've seen him in but he just seems he's supposed to be younger but he looks old yeah he he just does not move fast enough so anyway as an aside um i also think that because she's younger um the storylines would stray away quite possibly from uh her dating life which we see a lot of in the comics and she is one of um marvel's lgbtq plus um members of that community and i would really Mm -hmm. love to see 
someone front and center in the movies being portrayed and that being highlighted. And because the actress is younger, I'm wondering if they're going to stray away from that. I certainly hope not. I mean... Just going off of based off of what they are, it's either going to be one of two things: they're not going to bring it up at all, or it's going to be like uh, another like uh, like a TV series or whatever. Or her role is going to be minimized so that they can take it out when they want to market it to uh, places that aren't so mm-hmm. like queer friendly and stuff like that. Because yeah. that's that's how they do. So I think honestly, that is also another thing that it's just, just like I think they are going to betray the character and what she is, um, um, because that is like that's like. It's not like her defining feature, but it's part of her. And it's just, and her interactions with Kate Bishop are so funny because of it. Yes. Yeah. I love to see that. I love, I, I, once we saw uh, a Hawkeye uh, TV show and the actress portraying her, that's one of the things that I started wondering about because you see a lot of like, um, like buddy, quote unquote, buddy, uh, what do you want to say? Like, um, they go on a lot of road trips and they just like have a lot of fun together. So I'm, and that's the other thing that is kind of, uh, like I'm trying to formulate my thoughts. Like in Hawkeye, that actress is a little bit younger too. So maybe it's all playing out and, and, I mean, obviously it's on purpose, and Sarah, like you said, you trust what they're doing, but I also told Sarah, yeah, well, she says, I trust Disney uh, and uh, that they know what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, well, ask anybody uh, who watched the uh, Eternals movie. <laughs> Such a, deci- a, de- a divisive movie, because you're firmly, like, even more so, like, like oh, there's always going to be, like, I think all the movies that are coming out now, that people are going to be like, I love it, I hate it, there's no fucking in between, but this one is, like, very much, like, you either like it or you don't. Like right, even more right. so, like like uh, like even there's some people who are just like oh I just like it because or whatever. But there's like firmly like people that aren't even in the middle. They're just like no fuck that movie or no like yeah that's an Oscar movie or whatever. And I'm like <laughs> you know what uh, I don't know anything about the internals and I like really don't care. All I like is that Angelina Jolie is in it and that kind of makes me want to go see it because she, I don't think I've seen her in anything for a while and I love her so who knows. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. What do you have for On My Radar today, Kristen? So On My Radar is something that I think is on the entirety of the collective comic fandom's radar over this last week. And if you have not heard, then let me enlighten you. Uh, JLA Avengers crossover um, is a book that came out, geez, I don't even know, like, long ass time ago i want to say in the 90s in in the, the 90s. okay in the 90s there you go yeah. um it was um drawn by george perez i don't even know who the the writer was but um i think that that probably is one of the number one books that i get requested for ever since i started working at the shop since 2014 like everyone wanted this jla avengers crossover i've never read it I don't know how amazing or how not amazing it is. All I know is that it existed and it was no longer in print and we couldn't get our hands on it. Um, Well, um, 
Last week, it was announced that there is going to be a limited reprint of this book, and everyone lost their collective shit over it. We've been getting <laughs> calls non-freaking-stop about it, and everyone's like, I want I want to be on the waiting list. I want to prepay. I, I want five copies, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me just tell you, as a retailer, there is a lot of backstory that, unfortunately, customers and fans aren't aware of and um, are going to be very disappointed in. So, turns out that this is a limited print run and the uh, proceeds are going to go to support the Hero Initiative. If you don't know what the Hero Initiative is, um, I know we've talked about it before on the show, but it is a nonprofit organization that helps to support um, comic book creators who need that kind of support later in life monetarily, whether it is because they don't have health insurance and they have health issues and they need to help pay um, their medical bills, or I don't know, maybe they, because of their high medical bills, they need help paying rent, just that kind of stuff. So um, uh, a lot of the earlier creators signed away rights to the big publishing companies and don't have any they don't receive any kind of um royalties at all for these major major characters that are now in tvs and movies and on every toy store shelf uh from target to uh well there's no funko pops but yeah so um and so that's kind of sad um and so, uh, and that's also one of the main reasons why publishing companies like Image Comics uh, were created. Um, people, uh, big uh, creators, left those publishing, well, didn't leave, but uh, got uh, more information about how creators were poorly treated and decided to create Image, which is a creator-owned um company where the creators um, retain the uh, majority percent of the ownership of what they create. So this actually on the forefront of the story is a great story because also um, those of you who are fans of comic books probably are also aware that George Perez is right now in the later stages of cancer. Um, And Mm -hmm. when I say later stages, he actually was admitted to hospice last week. Um, He decided to, um, when he first came out to say that he had cancer, he had decided that he was going to have as many appearances as possible, meet as many fans as possible, sign as many books. He had a CGC signing set up uh, so that he um, would be able to help... uh, um, make that come true and unfortunately um he had a gallbladder i believe um episode and it got infected and that just kind of snowballed and um it turns out that they decided for him to enter hospice um not because death is imminent is what uh his people said but because being in hospice allowed for his wife to better have a quality of um time with him and his friends and family too so they didn't have to worry about taking care of him outside which is very hard when you're taking care of a sick um of a sick person in your family and so um this particular book, uh, like I said, the proceeds are going to Hero Initiative. George Perez is the creator. In fact, there was an amazing photo that got released a couple of weeks ago. Well, 
it was not a couple weeks ago, it was last week when this story broke about JLA Avengers, and it was the picture of um, George Perez at the moment that he was shown the cover of this book, and just the 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 look of just absolute like pride and just happiness and just in fact he just had his hand it was like such a candid moment where his hands were to his face and like he had an o face it was just like so cute um and so um a lot of people are kind of just basically saying that um this was just like an amazing homage to him while he can still enjoy it the backside of it is that unfortunately because this is a project that I think had to get off uh, the ground so quickly and Marvel and DC had to come together and they had to sign the paperwork and do all the legalese and all that kind of stuff what that turned out and also not don't forget I know some of us like to um, try to forget but we're in the middle of a pandemic and the pandemic has affected the comic book industry in a way that has affected um, printings of books um, there's a paper shortage um, books are being pushed back all the time on a weekly basis and so what that all of that um, has culminated to mean is that the limited print run is only going to be 7,000 copies and those 7,000 copies are going to be distributed amongst local comic shops now that's not to say that it's going to be distributed evenly because if it's gonna if it were to be evenly what that mean that would mean is that every single comic shop worldwide would receive two to three um we we had five people calling the first day that that it came out and that was just the first day we've been getting calls every day we people been hitting us up on uh instagram people have been hitting us up uh on facebook um even the other day at our our monthly uh book discussion on zoom one of the attendees is like so about that jla avengers book and we're like sorry because um like i said if they were to be distributed evenly each lcs would get two to three but unfortunately that's not how distribution works when allocation happens what happens is that usually the shops that um, spend the most money um, or have the biggest accounts are the ones who get more books. So that means like that shops like Midtown Comics, the big, huge um, Goliath in New York, could receive 50-plus books, whereas Heidi Ho Comics in Santa Monica, because of that, may receive zero. So what that means and what I'm, why this is on my radar and why I want to share it with all, all of you is that don't get mad at the local comic shop and don't even get mad at the publishers or George Perez or anybody. Um, this kind of was like a last minute thing. Uh, and um, I think it was really just developed to really pay respect, pay homage, uh, get it out there and let George be able to see it while he still could and seven thousand is all they could come up with. I'm assuming I and I'm hoping that um, B 
because it has garnered so much attention and so many people want it that a reprint will come out eventually but this first printing um, is going to be very difficult to get their hands on and um, what a lot of people are really worried about is that people who do because I think it's going to be retail $29.99 um, not going to lie there's already books up on eBay that aren't even this new fancy one but like old like beat up copies that are going for three five hundred dollars um, oh my god so shit new, so you okay so Whoa. this okay. new reprint oh, is going to um what, what people are worried about is flippers are going to get their hands on it they're going to flip them and get the money and hero initiative isn't going to see a dime of it they'll see the very meager fifteen dollars that the local comic shops paid for per book when they ordered it so if Heidi Ho gets uh any of the books what we're thinking we're gonna do is we're gonna go ahead and auction it off and give all the proceeds to Hero so that's amazing um, and a lot of local comic shops are saying that they're gonna do the same thing so um don't be mad I know you guys want these books but um that's generally what the consensus is um among retailers is that they want to be able to give Hero Initiative as much of the proceeds as they can Mm-hmm. Especially wow. since I think George is like using it. Like I don't think people understand just how critical George Perez was to comics and the modern interpretation of comics. If Justice League, uh, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. uh, the JLA Avengers, and stuff like that. He did stuff for both Marvel and DC, and his work is iconic. All the stuff that you see that are like props and stuff like that, you're probably looking at George Perez art. Like, mm-hmm. like when you when you see like like the logo mugs of stuff that's like from the they're supposed to be like old comics and stuff like that. You're probably looking at George Perez art. Like that is his his like style choices and his like for the characters and how he drew is what makes up most of like the really good eighties and nineties comic stuff. Um, and so like I think like JLA Avengers was only made possible because of him and whoever like whoever else was on that team and I don't think he even fully like drew the whole thing I think he did have his ha- a hand on writing it too mm, um okay. yeah so like the fact that like I like it's amazing that they're like reprinting this and they're probably reprinting it for him uh mm-hmm. and like if you if you guys want to know more about like George Perez and how he's like doing and how he's like holding up and stuff like that you can follow him on like on like on Facebook Mm-hmm. They're, like, posting updates and stuff like that. And, like, you can, like, when you can see, like, the pictures and stuff like that and how he's doing. Uh, and it's, all, like, it's so incredibly, like, heartwarming. All yeah. the, like, all the stuff that oh, we see for him. But definitely it is, uh, first of all, you all you all should have gotten good and just forked out the, okay, I paid $60 for my copies of JLA Avengers back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> this is like way back in the day um, um when i first like started working and i saw them and i was just like i want that i'm gonna get those so the fact that you just told me that they're going for like 500 dollars ka-ching <laughs> that wasn't an investment worth it one like i actually read them because i was uh, super interested in them and it was like george perez art too um but now's like a great time to sell them is what you're telling me. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. In fact, until the word just came out of your mouth, it didn't even dawn on me that there were single issues. I just thought that it was a, a graphic novel. A trade paper. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there were single issues. And uh, okay. I they, I believe they, they kind of released them as chat books too. Mm. Okay. And that's what I have. So, yep. 
And it was like, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, if it, I'm sure that all, when all this news broke and all the craziness happened and the phone started ringing off the hook, I'm sure all the retailers started digging through their uh they're 99 cent bins trying to find <laughs> those issues. Here's, it, uh, here's the thing is that I think it's one of the few like 80s, 90s books that actually has always like it was never worth like super a lot. But then like because it was such a unique thing, JLA, yes. like JLA Avengers crossover, um, it just became more rare and rare, especially after it didn't see a reprint. And because mm-hmm. they like both did both um, uh, Marvel and DC just got too big. That uh, mm-hmm. crossover like wasn't happening, like the rights and stuff like they like. I think the only reason this happened was because of George Perez and the situation right. that he currently is in. I think that's literally the only reason was yeah. because they were like, yeah, you know what, let's do this for him, kind of thing is what I'm hearing. Um, yeah. Which is like, like really cool because like 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 I said, George Perez, like his artwork is is genre defining. It's mm-hmm. like so good, and some of the best storylines have his artwork and or his writing. I remember when we were gonna read uh, Infinity Gauntlet. I was like, "God damn, I have to read this book. Look at this old ass art, man. This is so <laughs> ugly." Because I mean, when you look at art from back in the day and George Perez aesthetic art to now, there is such a huge difference. Such a huge difference. It's like. It's like watching uh, after school specials as opposed to CW. You know what I mean? Yes. yes so, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but when I actually read the book and paid attention to the art and was like actually enthralled in the story, I appreciated the freaking detail that went into it. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually amazing. And then when we did Wonder Woman, um, like, it was no um, no surprise that after reading that book and seeing that art that I became a Wonder Woman fan. Because I wasn't that much of a fan, but after reading that particular book and that iteration of the character is when I actually um, loved her. Her. And so, yes, I mean, I think his work uh, in many different ways and in many for many different characters has been such a big deal in the industry. And it's super, super uh, sad that he's uh, dealing with what he's dealing with and it's going to be a huge loss. And one thing we're not mentioning is that i mean he's a latino he is um, representing the latinx community in comics so um it's it's definitely going to be a big loss absolutely and for those of uh, people that are listening right now and would like to donate to the um that website what is the website they could actually look into donating uh, Hero Initiative is, I'm a, I think it's just heroinitiative.org, but if you just give me a moment, I will just double check right now. And I know that we did talk about it in a Juntos um, before, um, but let's see. Yep, I was right. It's heroinitiative.org. And... Um, Their mission is that they create a financial safety net for comic creators who may need emergency medical aid, financial support, and essentials of life. Yes, definitely. So if you guys want to donate, just please go on the website and whatever helps. I mean, 
you know, uh, we as Americans, we all suffer from having no uh, uh, medical insurance coverage. So uh, whatever little bit you guys can donate is definitely a great help. Um, just, you know, maybe skip that latte at Starbucks. You know, it helps. Hey. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my latte and I'll donate. <laughs> Excellent. That's wonderful. I love it. How dare you? Don't take my lattes. <laughs> Oh my god, guys. What time is it, Kristen? Well, I think it's la hora de la cervecita. And I have to tell you that Eddie has been coveting this darn can since the day <laughs> that you gave it to him to put into the refrigerator. Every time he's like, which beer can I drink? Can I can I drink that, that mocha machine? Or he's like, what beer are you guys going to try? Are you going to try that? That mocha machine, and I'm like, no, we're not. And no, you can't drink it. So this beer is um, called Mocha Machine. It's an imperial coffee chocolate porter. None of that sounds good to me, just so you know. I'm not going to lie. When I did my drinking binge, like, last week. Was it last week? I think it was last week. It was last week. Anyways, when I did my drinking binge. (laughs) Yeah, when I did my drinking binge last week, I was like... I looked at this and I was just like, I want it. I want it so bad. But I refrained somehow <laughs> in my drunken stupor. So this beer is a well-engineered endeavor in massive aromatics and rich flavors. This burly imperial porter is infused with masterfully roasted coffee from Portola coffee roasters and aged on cacao nibs from ecuador and oh my god this is a freaking 9.2 abv uh and you know what i've never heard of beachwood um but it's located here in huntington beach in southern california and on this can they have um actually received multiple awards did you know there was a world beer cup Uh, And they've received a bronze medal in 2014, a gold medal in 2016, and a silver in 2018. Uh, And then there's something called GABF. I don't know what that is, but they received a gold and a silver in 2014 and 2015, respectively. So this brewing company seems to really uh, have its... uh, Have its shit together when it comes to brewing beer. Uh yeah, I I th- I do believe this is the first Beachwood we've reviewed on the podcast. Huntington Beach is not that far. We should go take a trip. Oh yeah, I I like going there because they have that uh um beach uh the uh, dog beach. There's oh, one in Long Beach uh-huh. and then there's one in Huntington. Oh okay. And um yeah, so but Maybe uh when we yeah. Come back from Modesto. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do a beer trip. Like a beer, like our very own beer, um, what do they call them? Like beer trips, beer... <laughs> trips. I don't know. But your glass is actually uh, poured with a nice thick head on top. It is so dark, just like a porter should be. It smells amazing. It smells very coffee-y, very chocolatey. Mm. Um, it definitely oh, is yes. everything oh. that it says that it is on the can. Um, I am going to take I'm, a drink. 
I am super enjoying it. I poured it into a glass um, and I, I let it uh, pour into a big head just because I was taking a video while pouring it for our TikTok. Um, but the thing is, it's, it's a small can. It's not a tall yeah, can. So I was able to pour it in a big in a big glass and not have to worry about the head spilling over. But, oh my God, I've always liked head on like stouts. You've and... always liked head? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this is always just gonna devolve into the, uh, like if it, our like listeners don't expect it we've done something wrong <laughs> no no seriously i like that because like in stouts and stuff like that um it feels like it's part of the taste of the beer because the creamy part is you feel it in the head oh my god i know it sounds awful but it's delicious i mean it's it's really there's a lot of it's there's a lot of nutty oh my god i know oh my god it sounds bad but there's kind of like a walnut kind of almondy flavor on the head and then there's like the chocolateness and the chocolate and coffee at the bottom uh, but it's very um smooth it's not overpowering. I really am loving it, guys. I'm sorry. I love it. So just as a little education, beer education, um, a beer's head helps to really display the aroma and help you to get the nose for all of the, the notes of um, the flavors in your beer. But interestingly enough, it also helps prevent all of the carbonation from escaping and becoming flat. I didn't know that. Very interesting. I didn't know that yes. either. So, um, yes. So, and, and, and that folks. aroma of the beer uh, and that, uh, that, when you have a hit, your a big head on the beer, it really helps for that initial flavor of the first sip. So I'm drinking mine out of the can, and I can just taste nothing but coffee. Nothing but coffee. That's a lie. I taste a little bit of chocolate in it, but I just... In fact, today it's funny. I was like, I kind of am craving coffee. But like when I say I'm craving coffee, I want a vanilla latte. I want a mocha frap. I want, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, a, yeah. I'm not a black coffee drinker and that's what this tastes like to me. So um, I would drink it if it were free, but I would not choose it. <laughs> you know, and that is the complete opposite of where I'm coming from. Like the fact that I just drank it and it just tastes so amazing and it feels so light it doesn't feel it like does, it's gonna it like light, yeah it doesn't For a feel like it's gonna two, it does feel light Ex mm -hmm. exactly it doesn't feel like it's gonna go heavy on my stomach or anything like that it feels like i can drink like maybe even a six pack of this you oh. know like it just it feels so good no, yeah Sarah, don't. um <laughs> I don't have six packs of this, so I'm not gonna going to. But like I said, like just pouring it uh, top heavy, and uh, feeling like I feel like a lot of like nuts on the top surface of the initial taste, and then tasting the coffee and the um, chocolate <laughs> on the on the bottom part of it. I'm real. This is hitting me on all different levels, and I really really love it. I really love it. And the fact that I could drink this at room temperature only accentuates the taste for me even more. But I, I love coffee. I love peanuts. I love nuts. I love coffee. And I kind of like chocolate. 
uh, I'm not an avid chocolate lover, but I feel that it really like adds to the taste of this beer. So right before we started recording, I had a bowl of ice cream and a chocolate brownie. <laughs> um, and I'm wondering if that is messing with my palate because as you're talking, I'm continuously taking small sips to try to like roll it around in my mouth and try to get a full profile. And it every sip became more and more bitter. Um, like a cacao mm. nib, a bitter like that. Um, and so, yeah. See, I don't, I, I see, I'm Just not getting that at Eddie. all. I am. <laughs> Just give the rest I, to I, I see, I'm not, I'm not right. getting that bitterness at yeah, all, at all. What do you think, Jen? I'm going to make sweet love to this beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think. Like, that's, that's, for, that's, that's all I have to say. Like, no. I, Ooh. Hey, y'all have had Irish coffee, right? You just yes. pour like, like basically yes. a shot. This yeah. is basically yeah. what this is. This is Irish coffee. Oh, good. This is yeah. this is Irish coffee. I would drink this in the morning. <laughs> I would drink this in the afternoon. <laughs> I would drink this. Li- I am drinking this late at night. And honestly, I don't think I got over being tipsy because this has gone me back over to tipsy. I have basically been drunk most of the day today. <laughs> I am still <laughs> fantasizing about your $35 mimosa. <laughs> how that bad boy looked. Like that, it was good. It was good. Um, cause like we had like bottomless mimosas, and then we just like and we went and like we went and got more mimosa. Ooh. Uh, that's basically. It was great. Sounds like a um, time. Um, it was a good time. Um, but this is I like if you're not a coffee person, you definitely won't like this. If you don't like chocolate, uh, you might let it slide. Um, um, because it's not really chocolate. It's it does. I do taste that bitterness of the cacao nibs, but I like. That personally, I like that bitterness. Uh, that's why I like black coffee. And this is like this is really good. Like I feel like I have like I took this and I dumped it like into like a saucepan and then I put milk <laughs> and sugar in it. I have coffee, baby. I got coffee. Like this is this is it. This is my coffee. This is like my morning coffee. Like this is what this is. This is I could easily imagine myself drinking this every single sip fucking morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I agree with Jen. And that's it's like, so you know what? Delicious. It's like it's it's so it's good. I'm like like and I said, it's I'm so make, soft and and, I, and kind of buttery almost buttery. Like almost. I want I want to make sweet love to this beer. All right, yes. that's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Honestly, there have been some porters and stouts that we have chosen that I actually have gotten behind, and I'm like, this is so good. I just this particular one is just too much of the one thing that i'm not a fan of so um are you guys ready to rate it yes yeah so if you've listened to our previous episode you know that we completely chucked our last rating scale out the freaking proverbial window and we have a new one now and so our scale is still a five point system where um actually it's a a seven point system if you want to get technical because um there is a zero stage um and i'll tell you what that is at the end i'm gonna go reverse but if it's a if it's a uh a one that is a one finger if it's a two it's a two finger three three finger four four finger five is hand and mouth together um, and that is why I waited because I want to tell you that a zero is 
No fingers. It is abstinent. They're, you're not getting nothing from that. Um, and if it's off the not scale. Not even a dry rub. Not even a dry rub. <laughs> off the scale, you get the whole dang fist. So, Sarah, what is, we're going to have to come up with terms for one, two, three, four finger. Because um, five is hand and mouth. But the other ones are just fingers, so we'll have to work on that. So, what do you rate this beer? Beechwoods, mocha, something or other. He took the can. <laughs> honest, honestly, um, <laughs> honestly, I was not uh, impressed with the can art. Yeah. I only picked it up because it was a small can and I would was able to mail it out to all of I us. I thought it was charming. Uh, it was okay, but I mean, it, it the, the fact... I picked this up because um, not definitely not the can art, the can size, and because it said Imperial Coffee Chocolate Porter, and we definitely wanted to try more different types of beers, and that's why I picked it up. Um, I was not impressed. I wasn't uh, waiting to taste it. I was just like, it's one of it's gonna be one of the many we taste, whatever, right? But I am so fucking impressed with this beer. Then I'm going to say hand to mouth. <laughs> I'm going to say hand to mouth. I love this beer. Like I can. Yeah. Like Jen said, like I could have this when I wake up. Oh, my Hell gosh. Yeah. For my coffee. Yes. I, I love it. I, I pouring it. I Like I said, pouring it made it like a uh, like a buttery, uh, nutty flavor at the head. And then and then going down and drinking some more and, and discovering the coffee slash chocolate flavor oh my god like uh i dude this checked off all my marks i love it i love it all right jen you can go okay i am i look i am like pretty biased towards like porters and stuff just because i tend to like it more but this one did like it surprised me by just how like it like straight it just is straight up just tasted like coffee like seriously i almost like detected like no alcohol <laughs> um and that kind of took me by surprise that's why i said like it's irish coffee or like just straight up coffee uh that's basically what you're drinking um and it's it, it's it's good but that did take me by surprise i don't know if you saw when i first took a sip but when i took a sip i was just like what the fuck am i drinking like what is this <laughs> yeah. what's going on here um so i'm gonna go with a whole fist Ooh. and mouth not hand to mouth hand and mouth that hand to mouth <laughs> is mm -hmm. different <laughs> you both are so many levels above me because for me seriously i'm not I, i'm not even giving it any fingers like it was so horribly bitter to me and again i don't know if it was the ice cream and and brownie i had right before but i kept trying to find some kind of redeeming quality in it and i just couldn't other than honestly this those couple of sips i actually feel it like 9.2 is not a lie like i actually feel just a little bit of sips that i had but if you are not a coffee fan do not buy this beer do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars. like i am choosing abstinence over <laughs> any of those other levels because it just was not it for me 
different well, strokes for different folks. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's why we do this segment because we all have different tastes, different likes, different palettes. So, you know, I'm glad that you're being honest because I, we, we all know that you don't like coffee. Yeah. So it makes sense. It makes complete <laughs> sense. But um, the surprise for me was a freaking 9.2%. I just like, I'm like, what? I'm not feeling it because I... I'm just so enthralled in the taste. So that has been our beer review, guys. All right, guys, it's now time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing The Day the Clan Came to Town, uh, written by Bill Campbell and art by Vision Codadante. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm how so to say sorry. It. Bizan. I'm so sorry. Bizan Kodabande. Yeah, I think that was pretty good. Okay, with a forward by Jelly Clark. So the we this was actually uh, an on my radar, but the synopsis mm-hmm. of this book is the year is 1923. The Ku Klux Klan is at the height of its power in the U.S. as membership swells into the millions and they expand beyond their original southern borders. As they continue their campaign of terror against African Americans, their targets now also include Catholics and Jews, Southern and Eastern Europeans, all in the name of white supremacy. Incorporating messages of moral decency, family values, and temperance, the clan has slapped on a thin veneer of respectability and become a civic organization. Uh, attracting new members, law enforcement, and politicians to their particular brand of white Anglo-Saxon and Protestant Americanism. Pennsylvania enthusiastically joined that wave. That was when the Grand Dragon of Pennsylvania decided to display the Klan's newfound power in a show of force. He chose a small town outside of Pittsburgh named after Andrew Carnegie, a small, unassuming borough full of Catholics and Jews and the perfect place to teach immigrants a lesson. Some 30,000 members of the Klan gathered from as far as Kentucky for Carnegie Day. After initiating new members, they are armed themselves with torches and guns to descend upon the town to show them exactly what Americanism was all about. The day of the clan the day the clan came to town is a fictionalized retelling of the riot focusing on a Sicilian immigrant Primo Salerno. He is not a leader, he's a man with a troubled past. He was pulled um from the sulfur mines of Sicily as a teen to fight in the First World War. Afterward, he became the focus of local fascists and was forced to emigrate to the United States. He doesn't want to fight, but it feels that he may have no choice. The entire town needs him and indeed everybody to make a stand. Yes, um, um, I know that it was on Jen's On My Radar. And so I actually backed this project as a... Uh, 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 book club uh, book club um, tier where you got three mm. copies of the comic book and so I was able to get a copy to Jen and Kristen and we are now reviewing it um, first of all I it's this is Sarah and it felt like more of a Titanic. Do you remember when you saw Titanic the movie and you knew that it was going to sink? Oh, yeah. And so you had and you and you had this dread throughout watching the movie mm-hmm. even though there was stuff happening. Mm-hmm. 
this is how I felt about this book. Like, I felt an amount of dread throughout reading the entire thing. One thing that I really loved is, you know how we say that um, we love when people uh, write in another language mm -hmm. and are not apologetic or have like a like a little like a cheat sheet at the bottom of the book or in the back of the book they just like write in the language and uh just let us figure it out for ourselves i i love that about this i uh, want to just interrupt really quickly because i realized that yeah i have said that so many times but apparently i was just biased because i could understand what i was reading because mostly it was spanish <laughs> yeah. because in this book yeah. i didn't understand a whole bunch of what was being written and I was freaking annoyed as fuck. <laughs> you know, and I thought of that and I thought of that and yes, I I was a little bit distressed by it, but I remembered what we had said before and so like I took the time and like really like took my time with those that uh that dialogue or that narration of Such it. Such the opposite of what I did. I skipped over everything. If it wasn't English, I was like, well, don't know what they're saying. <laughs> and for those of you who have been listening long enough, you all know I also don't look at the picture. <laughs> I just read. Incredible. And, and so, I mean, like, I, I'll look, but not, not the way that I'm sure you're supposed to to get the full effect of a comic. Like, I have to consciously do that. And so I feel, I felt like half the book I, I just completely missed out on. And it wasn't until seriously about two-thirds of the way through before I felt any kind of emotional connection to anything, even though I knew what the fucking story was about. No, and I get that. I, I know I get that. Um, and that's how a lot of people might react to it. But um, I actually took from the things that are familiar to me, like um, if uh, like when I read the prayers in in italian i could i could see the similarities in spanish mm -hmm. like that's what i took from I, I really took my time with it and that's why i think i really liked it what mm -hmm. about you guys um i okay i didn't i'll admit i didn't finish reading it i did peruse the comic first so that i could like get a general gist of it and it was on my radar because i did think it was interesting um uh, so i did read like i read about like three quarters of it um and i no i still maintain that it's interesting and i mean this not in like a condescending like uh, like being polite kind of way it's a fascinating i think it's a fascinating retelling and i think it's about uh something that not a lot of people know about and i think it does a good job of kind of establishing like i don't think people realize just how bad the kkk was like oh, because absolutely. it's like and not only that i don't think people understand just how how they still have it still has its hand and grasp in uh, in America mm -hmm. because yeah. it's like like when you think about it like people had lynching parties mm -hmm. like they were like it was like like yeah like it was a respectable thing like you were expected to be kind of a thing and like people think like oh no it's exactly no it's not it really wasn't because it was like you had people in law enforcement, in the government, in like everything. And they were like, yeah, I'm part of the KKK, blah, 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 blah. It was just whatever. It's only now with like in the future, like and like in the present now that we like look back on it and we see like, oh, like, no, yeah, like that's awful and racist and horrible and stuff like that. But it is it was so enmeshed into like we cannot forget the fact that like literally one of the first movies ever made, Birth of a Nation, was oh, in God. adulation for the KKK. Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's it's like a horrible thing, but it's it like list this like as I was reading the description, that literally is what happened. Like it was like it's it's a thing. It's not even like fantasy that like that was it was so enmeshed into like American identity and American politics and American like social life that that was like like people had lynching parties. I'm pretty sure that someplace remote in America they're still doing it, and we just don't yes. know. Yeah, yeah. And it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that's why I say like, I'm not I'm not gonna say it was terrible, um, because I don't think it was. Uh, I'm not going to say that it was like, oh my god, amazing, one hundred percent, ten out of ten would recommend, because it, it's a it's a heavy and it's a disturbing topic as well, and it's also like focused on a like it's an immigrant, yes, but he's still like Sicilian and stuff like that. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, he probably looks white. Um. um what they like, address that in, in the, the comics, yeah, yeah is stating mm-hmm. that like, um, yes, you immigrated as a, a Irish or Italian, but in in the future you get to be white, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in the in the back forget... matter they talked about how, not really irony, but that all these people who who had the ire of. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan back in the early days have evolved into having the um, privilege of being able to be white and how um, when you are in that place of privilege and with privilege comes power, you want to erase what happened in the past. And so a lot of people don't even think about that um, or want to even bring that up because um, they now don't have to really deal with that. And so I found that was really interesting. This, the, the book to me was interesting in that it allowed me to learn about an incident that I had no idea had happened. Um, right. That I was never taught about in school. And in fact, I went and I read multiple articles today about that exact um, incident because the book, I felt like the book spent so much time on primo's immigration and his own personal issues and all this stuff that i got lost uh in that when i wanted more about what the actual incident was about and i know this is a fictionalized story and i actually reading the back matter helped me to better um accept that Primo story was part of this because that was one of the things that, that the um, writer, what uh, Bill Campbell was saying, is that um, people forget that the Ku Klux Klan had hatred for many people. If you immigrated here, they hated you because you were not American. And which is so silly because they all came from somewhere. <laughs> right, but anyway, I mean, I mean, I, I, I know that Eddie talks about like, um, I know Eddie is white, looking, mm-hmm. um, and he, but he talks about like how there was a lot of like, um, racism against Italians, yeah. which I, I had mm-hmm. no idea about because they didn't teach us that in school, yeah. 
until Eddie talked about it, and then I researched it, and it's like, oh my god, yes! And then I saw movies, yeah. and it, things clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Things clicked for me. Goodfellas, like all the stuff, like, mm-hmm. um, basically, America, you are fucking racist. Yeah. <laughs> xenophobic i think is more the accurate yeah term. xenophobic racist uh, all the all that good stuff yeah no like and so like the story itself uh like i said like um so it like when there's like that issue like it's it is focused on like a, someone who's sicilian uh but they were part of this but two it's also like this is a heavy subject and you know what some people are tired they, they really are. They're tired and they don't want to like be bogged down by that negativity. And I understand. So I wouldn't like, I wouldn't say like, this is like, oh, you must have to read because honestly, some people don't because they already know. Um, um, but I, it will maintain that it was, it, it was fascinating. Under that. It was fascinating to read. I think it was interesting. Um, even to that point, people being tired. I think that reading March I still, with that, as we know, similar uh, topic, um, I still would be like, no, you got to read this. This is amazing. So I think that yeah. speaks a lot to what I felt was lacking in this book. Um, because even yeah. though it is okay. a heavy topic and people are tired and a lot has happened in the last couple of years, when it's a book that has relevancy of social um, topic like that, but also does it so well um it it doesn't really matter that it's a heavy topic i think uh but there are some definitely Mm -hmm. redeeming qualities of this book like i said um it got me interested in learning more about this the incident itself um and um a lot of the depictions of just the the brutality that humans have and that one of the the biggest um things that stood out to me uh in the art that was another thing with the art is i got confused a lot with the way that (laughs) the panels were going um i just was like wait what happened and i had to go back and look and i wasn't really sure that i knew what happened but um there is a panel i think probably midway through where they are all gathered for this march uh happening and there is a young girl and she is holding oh my God, yes. a doll yes and the doll yes. is a black doll with like stereo it's like um not stereotypical but like what do you call it um well it is a stereotype but like Cor- like cornrows, a, that cornrows cornrows. uh sticking out and but she's she has, but she's in an uh, a noose around yes, her neck she has a noose the doll has a noose. It's a black doll. Um, has a noose around her neck, and the and the girl is holding it by the noose, and that is like her play item. And I have to believe that that is a hundred percent based on true fact that little kids wandered around playing with each other with black dolls with nooses around their their necks that was just like one of the most disturbing um pictures and panels in this book uh and it just was like and 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 actually when one of the when the grand wizard actually saw her with it actually said something to the fact there's there's hope hope for for our nation yeah 
Yes. So it it was uh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, shit like that just bubbles up. Like I just I just learned like a couple of years ago that they would take kids, they would uh, kidnap black children and use them as bait for crocodiles. Oh my god. Yes, and there are there are um like porcelain representation of this like in in like louisiana in the south like you can actually see artwork that shows that they they used black children as bait for crocodiles and it it just seeing that doll just reminded me of that and there are so many things that they didn't teach us in school and that makes me mad yeah and that's what this book does and to sarah's point it actually yeah, I would say, and to Sarah's point, that's one of the reasons why we are reviewing this book is because it is February, it is Black History Month, and we wanted to be able to, um, uh, I mean, the, the we do a Juntos y Fuertes every episode, but during Black History Month, we, we definitely like to be able to um, share uh, books and stories that um, highlight Black history and also Black voices, so... Um, it, it is very frustrating that uh, a lot of our history is completely omitted. And in fact, in the back, the very last panel um, speaks to that as well, where um, it somebody in the crowd says, we Americans love forgetting. It's how we keep doing what we do. And when you turn the page, there is a picture of a woman behind a fence and it is um uh in the background there are ice um members of ice uh immigration and the word bubble above her head and she's in handcuffs says i was born here so that was like like the big visual that you're left with after reading that story yeah um, I'm in a loss for words only because, like, I know that the writer did a lot of, like, research on this, a lot of research, and a lot of this is true, and so I feel like it is so freaking sad about it, um, and I have no idea how the people in that town mustered the courage to fight them off yeah and that that just had me like that held me throughout the whole freaking story while i was reading it i just i just felt like i was like holding my breath as i was reading the entire thing because i just felt like they're fucking gonna win they're fucking gonna kill people and i just like i'm not here for that but um Coming to the end of the story, I kind of felt hopeful, like a little bit, a little bit. Anyway, what did what did you guys think? Well, I think we're probably ready to rate it because we all have shared what our ideas are and what we thought about it. So I will just start. And um, like I said, I appreciate um, being able to learn about an incident that I had no idea had happened and being able to learn that even though this book is a fictionalized 
um, retelling of the story that a lot of the things and a lot of the articles I read, a lot of the things that were included in this book were actually factual. Um, and so I appreciate that. But the, the, the way that the, the panels were sometimes were confusing. The fact that a lot of it wasn't in English <laughs> was annoying to me. <laughs> and I know that is so hypocritical for me to say. Um, but, um, for those reasons, I'm going to give it two conchas. What about you, Jen? Um, and honestly, I'm gonna give it two conscious as well. Uh, but my uh, my reasoning is a bit different because I did I. It was fascinating. Uh, I'm not gonna say that I enjoyed it because stuff like this. I don't think it's meant to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be informational mm-hmm. and educational. Uh, and like in to degree fascinating. Um, uh, like from that perspective, because I don't think. Uh, like, I think maybe you could derive some joy from the story, from the story in that it's being told, but uh, the subject matter itself is too, it's like, it's too, like, it's a lot. So I don't, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be real. Like I didn't enjoy reading it, but I did find it fascinating. Mm -hmm. I found it interesting. I found it captivating, uh, is what I will like go with it. But going off of those technicalities, I do think it could have been like because you did make a great point, Kristen, in that mm, I love Mouse. I will reread Mouse, especially yeah. if I won't feel like crying. Like yeah. Mouse is Mouse is good, but I think Mouse is also on a different like writing level. Yes, I agree. The writing was a little convoluted at times. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a way that they could have mentioned, but I think like on those technical those technical aspects of it, of like I think the writing could have been better. Mm-hmm. I think the dialogue could have flowed a bit more. I think the paneling, like you said, could have been a lot more fluid and a lot more, uh, like like like, I admit I don't know what like it's a, <laughs> it's a bit like comparing somebody like 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 or like. Spiegel is, uh, he is, like, freaking Picasso. He's not, or, like, not even, like, Picasso. He's, like, freaking, he, he's, like, one of those creators of comics that's, like, on another fucking level. It's so, like, comparing somebody else to him is just, like, you're, you're comparing the common artist to a renaissance artist. Like, how do you, how kind of, how kind of do you do that? But I'm gonna do it. Um, so, uh... Like you're writing, I don't know. I like, I, I don't know how else to say it, but like, there's just there was something missing in the writing. It could have flowed a bit better. Um, For all I know, though, and, he was writing prose in Italian, but I'll never know. I can understand Italian. Here's the thing: I can understand Italian, so those parts didn't really bug mm-hmm. me. But I don't know, like, if it was something about like the okay, I like, and I also do follow like some Italian people on Twitter, and they're fucking funny. Like, well, you know, it's a romance like, language. Modern lingo. And you definitely, if you speak any romance language, you can pretty much get the gist of it. When you, But I didn't even try. I just saw, oh, not not English, and just skipped right over it. <laughs> <laughs> there was something about the, like, the Italian dialogue that, I don't know, like, um, maybe, maybe it was too serious for me or something. And I'm just so used to, like, it, like reading italian in kind of like a comical sense so who knows maybe that just might be a thing for me but it i like i don't know it, it was i just i feel like the dialogue and the writing could have been better if you i i i would give me a week 
I'll give you a research paper. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, give me a week and I'll probably be able to like pin it down. But after like recently like reading it and like trying to pinpoint, I can like the most I can pinpoint is like the dialogue and the pacing and like the paneling. That's about it. Give me a week though. Oh, baby, I'll give you a dissertation. <laughs> but yeah, two conchas for me. What's well, gonna be tres conchas for me? I um, I really like the um correlation to religion within the story mm. uh, I really appreciated that I I'm not a religious person per se or actively religious but I really felt a, a kind of a kinship or a kind of a, like a, fami- a familiarity with the uh, prayers and those those uh, panels where they were praying over the people that died I I really liked the fact that they uh, brought into light something that I would have never have learned in school at all. And I liked the fact that they made an effort to tell some of the story in the tongue that it happened in and not like, like we always say like, sorry, don't, uh, don't get mad that if we, uh, if uh, a comic but creator uh, puts dialogue in Nahual or Spanish, like. So I, I realize that only because ma- that only um, it, it it only matters <laughs> when I can understand what's being. No, That's and and I, I was thinking about that as well, but like I found a lot of fam- familiarity in uh, the Italian portion of it, um, and so um, to really like. I mean, I, I would probably go back and re and, and maybe Google Translate the rest of it. But that's why I'm giving it Tres Conchas. I really, really felt it. And I felt like this is something we should have learned in school. Definitely. So anyway, that has been our book review, guys. All right, guys. Now it's time for En La Libreria. What do you have for us today, Jen? Today, I have for you something called Bloom Pretty, a story of romance, <laughs> obsession, murder, and plant people. Plant people? <laughs> plant people. <laughs> so, here's the synopsis that we have for it. Bloom Pretty, Lily of the Valley is a standalone tale that sets up a fantasy world that has been brewing in the back of Lisa Fowler's brain for years. Featuring an all-female creative team, uh, bracking the project will help bring to life the first piece in an even greater story encompassing a whole world of fantasy, intrigue, suspense, and magic. So, it's like, it. the artwork for it is absolutely lovely. It is, like, it's really nice. Uh, and I kind of see where the plant people thing is coming from, and it is an all-woman team. Oh, nice. Um... Yeah, and I think it might be, I'm going to go ahead and say it might be queer, but it might not be. But it's definitely got, like, very sexy vibes to it, which, you know what, I'm okay with. I'm cool with that. <laughs> um, and right now, it's actually already hit its um, uh, pledged goal of $10,000. It's currently at $14,767 wow. with 531 backers and 23 days to go like seriously the art for this is absolutely like stunning it uh, it kind of gives me like 
like very like kind of like Italian like erotica kind of vibes like kind of like a Monara if it wasn't degrading um uh, if you know you know if you don't you don't <laughs> um but it starts off with like you can of course black anything on kickstarter without getting a reward you can just back it because or give money at whatever amount just because you want to but the base pledge does start at eight dollars where you get the digital deluxe of bloom pretty and it comes with the issue your name in the backer section and the <laughs> access to the bloom pretty spotify playlist at $20, yeah. At $20, you get the physical copy uh, and uh, a sticker and then all previous, um, uh, all previous rewards as well as free shipping. At $25, you, get the, you can get the variant cover, the B. Lorenza cover. And then from there, it, like, they have different color covers and stuff like that. And they have stretch goals as well, which they are kind of... They've currently only unlocked cover C, but they also have like bookmarks, did other digital edition like variant covers, virgin spot variants and stuff like that that can be unlocked later on. So the comic is Bloom Pretty on Kickstarter. Sounds cool. I love it. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So to continue our celebration of Black History Month, I want to share with you um, a story that came out this week regarding a comic creator, uh, Christopher Priest. And he has a really great run on Black Panther, so you might know him from that. But he actually has um, written multiple stories for both, I believe, DC and Marvel. But there is a... um, a story, a character called Zero, um, and it's, I'm assuming Zero, it's an X-E-R-O, I'm pronouncing it Zero, is it Shiro? I don't know, but um, there is going to, okay, so let me give you the backstory. So apparently Christopher Priest created this Zero character, and back in the day, um, he, uh, basically was like um writing this this book and uh dc it was for dc dc let the um let their what's the word i want to say my mind is blank right now uh because i was reading this article earlier and i forgot royalties not the royalties but they they let uh they don't own it anymore they let it expire and so basically they reverted the rights there you go reverted back to christopher (laughs) and he is going to be making a movie out of it and it is going to be a collaboration between g unit film and television which is 50 cents production company and color farm media which is a production company owned by erica alexander and um another partner uh ben arnon um and so uh the rights to the series reverted to priest in 2008 so that means warner brothers who now owns all of dc stuff is not going to be involved with the project at all which i'm completely fine with to be honest with you but um (laughs) 
the uh the interesting thing was um and what was being shared in the uh articles that i read is that because it was a black hero um that dc back then just was like well you know no one wants to hear this story it's not important and they just let it lapse but now as the article um mentioned we are in a quote-unquote post black panther era where black panther was one of the biggest grossing uh movies with an all-black cast uh and the film itself is going to follow a black government assassin who weaponizes invisibility by disguising himself as a white man to blend anonymously into the exotic casino royale haunts of the international elite doesn't that sound amazing Uh, between that and the disenfranchised city streets of East St. Louis, Illinois, Train Walker is a man living in two worlds, but taking ownership of neither. Zero tells the story of his moral awakening and the life and death perils it presents. So G-Unit Film and Television is going to produce it. Um, alongside I, I told you color um, farm, and I'm not I'm not seeing any any dates because I'm sure it's going to be a couple of years. But it just sounds really cool and interesting, and I wanted to share both of those two production companies, G Unit Film and Television and Color Farm, because that is what um was the main thing is that those are two production companies that focus on um, highlighting um, black voices and color media's mission is to build an ecosystem that fosters greater equity inclusion and diversity in media and that empowers and elevates voices who are underrepresented overlooked and undervalued oh and you can find them at colorfarmmedia.com all right guys now it's time for saludos and saludos goes out to comic uh, no, Black Comics Day. Okay, so Black Comics Day happened in San Diego this weekend, February 19th, uh, and it was a free event. I am so sorry I slept on this. We could have been there, but we <laughs> I totally forgot about it. I know Greg Anderson and Elise talked about it on the Las Platicas episode he was on. He was actually there this year, um, and so was... Uh, so many other amazing black artists. The event took place at 2100 Park Boulevard, San Diego. Um, and it returned as a free full event between 10 and 6 p.m. A lot of black artists and writers in the comic book industry, a lot, uh, some creators from Marvel and DC Image came out there to support this event independent publishers there was interactive games and activities for everybody to enjoy there was a kids zones there was a, a uh, exhibitors uh exhibitors uh floor it was amazing there was a lot of discussion about it um unfortunately we knew about it when we interviewed Greg Anderson and Elise back when we uh, promoted the Isnana Kickstarter, 
but I didn't realize that it was going to be happening as a live event. And so we weren't part of it. But we really wanted to highlight that because it's Black History Month and because you should put it on your radar for the next year coming up because it sounded like it was an amazing time. And actually, Jules Rivera was there in San Diego because she's she located in, in San Diego. She lives mm -hmm. there. So she was able to share a lot of uh, photographs and it looked like an amazing time. So please make sure to put that on your radar for next year. Uh, again, it is called uh, Black Comics Day and it takes place around February of the next year. Um, you can go at, at B.R. Brooke Haley. That's D.R. B-R-O-O-K-H-A-L-E-Y to, to know more about this project and know about when the upcoming events are going to happen. So saludos goes out to them. Thank you so much. All right, guys, this brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, Kristen? You can find us at comadesecomics.com where you can see all of our links to all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't know if our TikTok is there. I always say that and I can't remember. But uh, we have all of those. <laughs> or you can email us at comadresecomics at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely don't forget to like and subscribe on our Comadresi Comics in uh, YouTube because we have amazing interviews with a, a lot of amazing creatives in the comic book industry, independent writers and artists. And um, they have so many inspiring stories. Just look to that, watch our stuff, and you will get super inspired. Um, also, we have a TikTok, like I said, Comadresi Comics. Uh, so thank you so much for following us. Thank you so much for supporting our fundraiser, the first ever fundraiser of Period Podcast Network. Thank you so much. We really appre appreciate it. We appreciate everybody who donated gift packets for the raffle. We appreciate everybody who actually bought tickets for the event. Thank you so much for all your support. We really appreciate it. We have been your host, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>